CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Give me a C, give me a B, give me an A. Football is back, baby. And so is the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop. Alongside Michael Garrell, we are back together talking about CFL football for the sixth season in a row. Mike, I don't know about you, but I could not be happier to be back, especially after all the off-season CBA craziness. Well, and after a one-year hiatus, uh, we return to talking to a live audience in addition to the podcast. Right, yes, recording these episodes live on Mike FM Winnipeg each week. And, of course, uh, they'll be out on the podcast platforms shortly afterwards. Uh, how was your off-season, Mike? Well, uh, let's just say it was interesting, given the standpoint, but we didn't know there would be, uh, if there would be any football. And let's just say once the musical chairs kind of died down, I was more looking forward to the CFL season once the hockey part of my personal schedule was done. And I think kind of start leaning toward the, uh, toward the summer sports. But for me, I'm not quite yet into CFL. Although I did listen to the preseason game on the weekend, uh, by all accounts, two teams that uh, put forth a pretty good effort. But I'm just waiting for the hockey and the basketball to be done. And then it's pretty much exclusively uh, CFL for me, given the way the Blue Jays are playing this year. <laughs> I don't follow baseball, but I've heard it's not good. Uh, just to get into what you can expect to hear from the show today. Um, changes! Changes, changes, changes. Uh, not too crazy. Um, but this is, if you haven't seen on Twitter, the first of our three-part 2019 kickoff series. Uh, so today we'll be, we'll be doing our 2019 CFL season preview show uh, in which we'll go through all of the different teams, how we think they'll do this year, predictions for where they're going to finish in the standings, and yes, what you've come to get be used to from a show like this from us. Ryan's crazy predictions that will turn out to no doubt be completely wrong. And I promise you, Mike, that this year's prediction, one of them, will top my crazy predictions of the past couple of years. And we'll have to stay tuned for that. Uh, the other parts coming up in the next couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to be breaking down everything to do with the 2019 CFL schedule. Uh, for each of the teams in the league and the CFL as a whole. And then the week after, the first ever CFC Fantasy Draft Special. Uh, Mike and I will be picking our teams of CFL players as we will go head-to-head -head each week this season in some CFL fantasy fun. Sounds like fun. I'm looking forward to it. You know I love my CFL fantasy. Uh, we will be changing up the format of the show throughout the season a little this Why? year. Why? Uh, just to make things interesting. Uh, so stay tuned over the next couple of weeks as we detail a little more of that. But, Mike, we uh, we really need to get moving along into the show here because we have a lot of t lot to talk about within the next hour because a lot went on this off season. I'd love to spend time talking about the CBA, but 
Not really. I mean, we could spend an entire hour doing that. And frankly, I'm done with the CBA negotiations. Positivity only until we start talking about some of these teams. But moving on forward from the CBA, the season is here. We're back. And we're also proud to be members of the Canadian Football Podcast Network for the second year in a row here. Uh, check out all of the other great shows at cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter. Lots of great stuff going there as we're all getting ready for another season of CFL football. Are you ready, Mike? I am ready. All right. So, normally in the past when we've done the season preview, we've started out on the West Coast with BC Lions, moved all the way over to the East Coast. Sometimes we do it the other way. We go East to West. Well, this year we're changing it up, and we are drawing random teams out of a hat and going in that order. We'll talk about each team for a couple minutes. We'll give our predictions for where they'll finish in the standings. And at the end of this all, we'll go through our final standings predictions and our Grey Cup picks as well, Mike. So do the honors. I have this nice Winnipeg Blue Bombers cap here because uh, if you're listening to this for the first time, Mike and I are both Bomber fans. We're here in Winnipeg, rightfully so. I've never seen a championship in my lifetime. Have you, Mike? I have not. So maybe... The closest Winnipeg Sporting Championship I've seen is the uh, Winnipeg Gold Eyes, but that doesn't cut it. Eh, yeah, yeah. would be nice to see a Winnipeg Football Championship. Perhaps this is the year. Draw our... Let me just shake it up a little bit here. Draw our first team we're talking about out of the hat. I don't have a blender sound effect, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen. I'm taking the name out of the hat. And we've chosen an interesting team to start our conversation with. The Montreal Alouettes. <laughs> I'm so happy this is the first team we're talking about. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes. Not a great year last year. Lots went wrong for the Alouettes. Uh, you had all of the drama with Johnny Manziel being in Montreal. You had a lot of other drama. The team didn't fare fairly well. My uh, Coach Sherman in his first year. Um, what's your outlook for the 2019 season? For the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, how do you think they'll fare this year? By my count, quick mathematics, 18 subtractions. A large number of those are wide receivers and two of their quarterbacks, most notably Johnny Football. So it seems to me like Montreal is kind of wiping the, the slate clean when it comes to that. A little bit surprising, though, they only made one notable offensive lineman Addition, and I thought that was an area that killed them last year. Interested to see if they can continue to build that way through the draft. Remember, they spent a lot of draft picks to try to shore up that offensive line, which unfortunately hasn't uh, come to fruition based on a couple of camp injuries. So, to me, I guess the thing is, it can't get any worse in Montreal than it got last year. My question is, how much better is it going to get? Well, let me tell you this. I was going through and making these charts I have in front of me here, which has the additions and subtractions for each team. I'll admit, throughout the CFL offseason for a little while, took a bit of a break from following along with stuff so closely. You know, didn't really truly look at the ins and outs for each of these teams. I'll go on record and say this. Out of the nine teams I have here in front of me, the Montreal Alouettes might be one of the teams I'm most happy with what they did in the offseason. I thought they did some good things. Bringing in a guy like Devere Posey at wide receiver is going to give you a weapon there. Spencer Wilson is a huge addition on the offensive line for this team. Uh, you bring in a couple solid defenders there as well. Bola Combo, Taylor Loeffler, Patrick Levels. This defense in Montreal 
is looking pretty good this year, I would say. I think the defense showed flashes last year. Big thing for me, no distractions at the quarterback position this year. You don't have to deal with the Johnny Manziel situation. You now have a couple bright young guys in camp who have been having great camps so far in Vernon Adams, but most notably Antonio Pipkin, who is slated in as the starter this year. And you got a guy like Spencer Wilson giving him a little more time back there. You've got some bright young receivers, mm-hmm. Devere Posey, BJ Cunningham, uh, Geno Lewis. I like I like what I've seen from the Alouettes. You look at that list, you named 18 subtractions. I don't think there's too many on that list that are really notable guys where I'm saying Montreal, oh shoot, they couldn't afford to lose this guy. Well, I've, I think to me, you know, Johnny Mandel speaks for itself. Ernest Jackson is a little bit of a surprise to me, but he's had a downward year in production. Uh, he certainly wasn't the Ernest Jackson that left Ottawa. So, you know, one would have to expect that he would maybe have a rebound here. Uh, but you, you just never know. And there has to be changes after the year that Montreal had. I just think they asked way too much of their defense last year. And I think they kind of balanced out the teeter-totter between offense and defense a little bit more. Not to mention you got William Stanback who took over the starting role at running back last year. I'm expecting a big year from him. I loved what I saw from him there. Uh, We'll see what the injury situation plays out. I know on the offensive line, I know Tony Washington got a little nicked up in practice already. So we talk about this improved offensive line for Montreal. Maybe they lose a guy there. I think this team lives and dies with that offensive line. Their defense can hold their own. I think their offense, uh, if Antonio Pipkin can get a bit of time back there, we know he likes to run. He has a couple great options to pass to here. I, I, I like what I see from Montreal. Granted, I think I generally like what I see from them on paper before the season, and then it only takes about two games into the year before that all goes south. I'm a little high on the Alouettes this year. The question I have for you here, Mike, where do you have them in the East Division standing? Second place. Second place in the East Division, hey? Mm-hmm. Oh boy, we're starting off the year with uh, matching predictions here because I also have the Alouettes finishing second in the East, and we'll we'll get into why. I don't think they've improved as much as I've hyped them up here. I don't think they've improved that drastically that they're going to go blow the other teams out of the water. I just think there's other teams in the East Division which may have regressed a little bit, and I think Montreal. Do you care to put a, a projected record on the line? Projected record... Uh, if recent history shows uh, second place in the East does not necessarily mean a strong record, mm-hmm. I would venture out and say something uh, seven wins for the Alouettes. That's close to what I have. I have eight and ten. Yeah, so seven and eleven. I, I think they can pick up a couple wins there. No, um, on the other hand, their defense held them in a lot of games last year. Yeah. If they could have that offense. Exactly. My, the only question I have is depth. If they lose a couple of those old linemen early, and I think a lot that can be said for a lot of teams, so that's why I, I didn't bring it up. All right, let's move on to our next team here. So we both have Montreal in second place. I will grab the next name out of the hat. Are you ready? I am. Drumroll, please. Well, this is another interesting one to talk about because we go with the defending Grey Cup champions. The Calgary Stampeders is the next team on the board. What do you have to say? about Calgary, Mike. They won the Grey Cup last year. Uh, three straight Grey Cup appearances. They finally won it last year. 
And uh, <laughs> if you want to look at these charts here of additions and subtractions, I mean, uh, two additions by my count for Calgary. Again, if I got something wrong on these charts, I was digging for information uh, last minute yesterday. But Ivan McLennan on the defensive line, defensive back Courtney Steven, the only two additions, and a whole whack of subtractions for Calgary. The thing that jumps out to me, uh, DB and wide receiver changes in Calgary. Now, of course, granted, I think Calgary was kind of been, for lack of better term, loaded the last number of years, and one would have to assume that last year was kind of the last chance, given the con contractual structure of a lot of um, of a lot of their team. The first thing that jumps out to me as kind of a concern, and I don't know if you can agree with me on this, but, you know, Bowley by Mitchell has a pretty hefty salary uh, when it comes to contracts, somewhere in the neighborhood of 700000 or so. Might be a little off on that number, 725 something like that. My question is, you're not a $700,000 quarterback. How do you plan to protect them? Yeah, they did lose a couple pieces on the offensive line. We just talked about Spencer Wilson going to Montreal. You had Brad Erdos, who just got injured in training camp and is out for the year. You know, He I, was supposed to be Spencer Wilson's heir apparent. Yeah, I talked about when we did an off-season show around free agency time. I talked about, uh, you know, just after free agency. Calgary, we knew they were going to lose a ton of guys this off-season, right? It's just whether it be to the NFL, whether it be to free agency, they were stacked on talent last year, and some of it was no doubt going to go. They had one job this offseason and one job only, and they accomplished it. And it was the guy you talked about already, re-signing Bo Levi Mitchell, because without Bo Levi Mitchell, this team is probably in a world of hurt. That being said, I think so many pieces, like you mentioned, are gone. I mean, at wide receiver, Bakari Grant, Chris Matthews, DeVaris Daniels, Lamar Durant, Mark and Michelle. Like, that is a solid chunk of wide receivers gone there. They do still, I will argue against that, though, have solid pieces there. You got Kamar Jordan back. You got uh, Reggie Bagleton, Jawan Breskison uh, among all the guys there. I'm probably missing another key one off the top of my head, so... Uh, you still got some solid pieces at wide receiver if you're Calgary. Marky Thamble's another one there. My concern is on the defense because there are so many guys. You have your top three defensive linemen are gone. Alex Singleton, Jameer Thurman are both gone at linebacker. Basically, almost your entire Michael Johnson. Yeah, yeah, defensive backfield as well. Like. You know, I'll go on a record here. Like, every year we do these predictions, I pick Calgary to finish first in the West, and I don't even consider anything different because I go with the opinion that until Calgary shows me they're going to take a step back, I don't believe they're, they're going to take a step back. This year, I might finally differ on that opinion. The interesting thing for me is, and I, I don't know if this has crossed your mind, but when I looked at this list of subtractions, how many of this is as a result of Boldy by Mitchell wanting so much money? I think that some of it, you know, you're going to pay a guy $750,000 or whatever it is. You're not going to have room to keep some of these guys. I think a lot of these pieces, though, like a lot of the pieces we're talking about here are ones that even if Bowie by Mitchell took a decent contract, I don't know if they were going to keep anyways. With the amount of money that guys like Micah Johnson were, would warrant in free agency, 
not to mention all these guys that did go to the NFL, I I think that Calgary was going to have a hard time keeping this team together either way. To to me, it's just, it's just very interesting, and I think it's evident of what most Grey Cup champions go through when they win. When when you win at Grey Cup or you win a championship in any league, but that's year if you're a free agent, generally speaking, you become of higher value to other teams, and you kind of inconsequentially, if that's a proper word in this sentence, I don't even know, price yourself out of your old city, and it just comes with the price of having won the Great Cup. All right. Let's... Just like in any other sport. You yeah. know, you you win the Stanley Cup, you're going to lose pieces as a result. Let's get into it. Standings placement. Where do you have the Calgary Stampeders finishing in 2019? Eleven and seven, second place. Second place in the East Division for Mike. West. Second in the West, yeah. So, like I said, every year I pick Calgary to finish first, right? Here is where I'll drop my first bombshell of my predictions on you. I have the Calgary Stampeders finishing fourth place in the West Division. Oh! And, you know, I will gladly go out and be wrong on this if I am wrong. Part of the fact of making bold predictions is realizing there's good chance you're going to be wrong on this. I couldn't. I will not be surprised in the slightest if Calgary comes out, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell does his thing, and they go and, you know, storm their way to first place in the West Division again. That being said, we're going to talk about some of the other teams out West. I think a lot of the other teams out West improved this offseason, and just the sheer number of guys. I mean, Calgary is basically reinventing their defense, not only on the field, but on the sidelines, because they don't have... Devon Claybrooks as their defensive coordinator this year, so we'll see how we'll see how they do. Wow, that's a touchy prediction, Ryan. Because I just hope you're not selling John Hopnado's ability short. No, and I'm not, and that's why I'm putting this disclaimer out there. I'm saying other teams have gotten better. Calgary's receded a little, and fourth place in the West, based on how competitive it's been the last True. couple of years, is no knock. Like that's a difference of two wins. True. Right. True. So. I have Calgary finishing fourth. I could see them finishing with something like a nine and nine record. Okay. Or ten and or ten and eight, something like that. Good enough for fourth. Uh, I can't recall the last time that's happened. Yeah, I, it would be certainly something surprising, and we'll see what happens there. Pick the next team out of the hat here, Mike. We don't have a drummer. Roll. Edmonton, the Alberta rivals. Fitting enough. We talk about you know some teams that got better. This is an interesting one because a team that loses their franchise quarterback and their top three outstanding elite wide receivers, you would think we would come on here on the show today and say, oh, this team got worse in the offseason. Like, there's no way they're going to be as good as next year. I love what Edmonton did this offseason. They weren't going to keep those three wide receivers. They couldn't keep Mike Riley. They tried to. They offered as much as they could to him, but they uh, he wanted to go home to BC. I, I think day one, you know, coming into training camp, I thought Edmonton was in a world of hurt uh, based on some of these guys they were losing. And then Brock Sunderland came out and decided that, uh, no, free agency day is Brock Sunderland day because within like three hours of it starting, he had half the league signed. He brought in guys, you know, to replace these guys. They brought in Trevor Harris and Greg Ellingson, Sir Vincent Rogers, all from Ottawa. That trio there, 
Varis Daniels at wide receiver, Ricky Collins. On the defense, they brought in Larry Dean, Javon Santos-Knox, Don Unamba, Anthony Orange. I like what Edmonton did here. I think their offense takes a step back this year a little bit, uh, just based on, you know, you don't have Mike Riley. Trevor Harris is a good quarterback in his own right, but I don't think he's Mike Riley level. Um, that being said, I think the defense will be improved this year, and that was a that was a low point for the team last year. The defense, I, I could see it being improved, and this is going to be a more well-balanced team. I have to take what I said about Calgary, at least from the standpoint of Bowley by Mitchell maybe hampering Calgary's ability to re-sign some players. I think Edmonton would look drastically different as far as guys that they brought in if Mike Riley was here. Oh, for sure. Because to me, what I think they said was, okay, we're not going to let one big player get our hopes down on making a big splash. Don't, I do not think you bring in Greg Ellington. I do not think you bring in Deveris Daniels. I do not think you bring in Sir Vincent Rogers. I don't think you bring in Larry Dean, among others, just based on the, the pay of those individuals that I mentioned. If Mike Riley's too, and never mind Trevor Harris. Yeah, and Trevor Harris still def demands a fine dollar himself here, certainly. But you do save a bit of money there. I'll say what I like most about this. You know, you move on from your franchise quarterback. There is concern. But you're not crying in the corner because of it. Exactly. There is concern when you do that. You know, Edmonton fans, because remember, the Riley going to BC broke a couple days before free agency started. I think fans were a little up oh, in they, arms. They've known for months before this yeah. was even public. Fans were a little up in arms, though, right? Of, okay, now what are we going to do at the quarterback position? Are we going to bring back Kevin Glenn and have him start this year? They go out, they bring in Trevor Harris. And what I like the most is the fact that they bring Greg Ellingson with him. They bring Sir Vincent Rogers with him. You bring in a quarterback from another team, but you bring his most valuable protector and one of his most valuable receivers with him. I don't expect Trevor Harris to miss a beat here in Edmonton. One doesn't happen without the other. The other doesn't happen without the second one happening. Yeah. And you can put the you can probably figure out what the order is based on what I'm saying. Right. But the group that stays together stays together. Meanwhile, on the defense, you know, the linebacker position, they don't lose anybody. Well, they lost Adam Konar at linebacker because they released him this week. But frankly, they didn't really need him anymore because they brought in Larry Dean, Javon Santos-Knox, and Don Unamba. You can't tell me that's not one of the best linebacking cores in the CFL this season. It is going to be fun to watch that team. You know, defense keeps other teams off the field a little more. I could see Trevor Harris leading a bit more of a possession-style offense here for Edmonton. Because uh, if you remember last year, Mike Riley... He, he did great with the deep ball, but their offense was kind of built around it. They tried the deep ball to Duke Williams. They tried the deep ball to Bryant Mitchell, Darrell Walker, over and over and over again. And it's great when it works, but it's not always going to work. I, I see Trevor Harris as a guy with some of these receivers they brought in as more of a possession-style offense. And I think just uh, the time of possession in games for Edmonton, we're going to see a real change this year. Absolutely. And... I do believe Edmonton gets better. I just don't know how much. Fair enough. So on that note, 
where do you have them finishing in the standings? Should have checked my mathematics here. Third, third in the West. Third in the West. I have them finishing second in the West. I, I think Edmonton um, will improve a little bit, uh, certainly over last season. I definitely think they're making the playoffs. Sorry to cut you off, but did I give you a record for uh, Calgary? No, you didn't. Okay, no, I said 11 and 7. Oh, yes, actually, you did. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure. Okay. Uh, I did. But yeah, so you have Edmonton finishing third. Uh, I have Edmonton finishing second in the West Division. Uh, I, I just I like what they did on that first day of free agency, and I like the improvements to the defense here. Moving on to the next team in the hat, because again, we got to get through nine teams here. Uh, Mike, we are going to pick another one out of the hat here uh, to move on to next, and we are sticking out West. We may finish the rest of the West Division before we get back to the East. It is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' prairie rival, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Oh boy, I better be careful what I say here. <laughs> There's Rider Nation listening. Extra pressure. So, Saskatchewan, what do you make of what's happened this offseason? How do you see them doing this year? Well, I'll, I'll say this. There's one addition, one subtraction, but you don't have listed here. But I think it's very, very bad. And it starts upstairs with Chris Jones. Right. Yeah, again, I only listed but, the players on this chart, but, but you make an excellent point, sir. But, yeah, I, I think there will be some changes in Saskatchewan. However, I believe they could not have found a better replacement for Chris Jones, given the circumstances, given the timing, given, given everything. Because remember, at that point in the offseason, everything was pretty much set. They wanted Paul Apolis. The Bombers said, nope, too late in the offseason. They wanted a few other people. Oh, too late in the offseason. Devon Flaybrooks was already gone. So Saskatchewan did the best they could. Yeah. And they promoted from within Jeremy Alday, the assistant general manager, former offensive lineman for Saskatchewan. Very, very good. Um, I like what... Uh, I like that all systems kind of don't change, although they will change in a way. There is still some familiarity there. Yeah, I you know, I looked at the riders uh, starting on day one of free agency here, and I thought they missed the boat a little bit. I was not pleased with some of the stuff they did, mainly because I thought the riders needed to be in the game for one of these big quarterbacks out there. Mm -hmm. the, if you want to talk about their biggest struggle last season, their defense, first of all, absolutely phenomenal last year. That defense did some amazing things. But it also had to carry the team uh, offensively. They had a decent running game, uh, I would say, but their passing game was non-existent. Zach Caleros really did struggle uh, last season. And, and, I thought, and do we read anything into a scrimmage game where Caleros <laughs> went 1 of 10 for 15 yards? I don't know, Mike. I, I probably wouldn't read too much into a scrimmage game, but uh, I definitely think that... You know, I thought they need to go out and get a quarterback. They decide to stick with Zach Caleros. They, I thought it was an interesting move to bring in running back William Powell. Uh, granted, a couple hours later, I think we found out that Trey Mason was going to be out for the season with some sort of injury, or he was released by the team or something of that regard. Uh, so it makes sense. I do enjoy uh, William Powell. Uh, I think he's one, of, obviously one of the top running backs in the CFL. Uh, so that is going to add to that offense there. Same with the addition of Manny Arsenault at wide receiver, which 
can we just hold on for one second and talk about how just how much of a beast Manny Arsenault is? This is a guy that had a major injury last August, and he looks like he hasn't missed a step yet. You know, a, an injury that should take at least a year to go and heal. He's out there in training camp flying around, catching passes. He's going to do great things for the Saskatchewan offense. Um, they don't make too many moves other than that. Uh, on defense, the most notable one, uh, and the one that fans, I think, are most excited about is bringing in Micah Johnson on the defensive line. Well, I, I think, to be honest with you, it's kind of a trade-off. I know they're different positions, but Sam and Lavin, out. That's a fairly substantial loss for the writer, given what he did in the back half of last year. But I think you replace him with Mike Johnson, and then you bring A.C. Leonard back in. So some loss at one position made up at another Time will tell how that goes. Yeah, defensively, I don't think they got better uh, just because they didn't bring a lot of guys in. And they lost a lot of guys. You, you mentioned Willie Jefferson yet, Toby Antigua, uh, Mikael Brooks, among all of these guys on defense that are no longer with the team this year. Look, the defense was incredible last year. I could see the defense still being very good again this year. I just don't know if it can carry the team like it did last season. I hope to see... That, you know, maybe this year Zach Caleros does, uh, you know, maybe have his injury behind him a little bit more, can get back to the level of play. We know he is capable of, um, but... Who's the matchup it's Justin Glenn? David Watford. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 But to me, the question mark is quarterback, and that's the most important position on the field. So if we want to talk about where we have Saskatchewan finishing this year... Uh, Again, you know, last year I picked them to finish last in the league. That defense blew me away. They ended up finishing very strongly last season. But I do have Saskatchewan finishing fifth in the West out of the playoffs again this year, unfortunately. I am in much the same boat. I have the Riders finishing 7-11, and 11, maybe 6-12, and 12, maybe 8-10, and 10, just based on the fact that I don't think that allows will stay healthy this year. Uh, he has a lot to show me. Uh, but he can be a consistent player. And I also think I expect that defense to take a step back. They scored a lot of points last year. I would say you could cut that in a half by like 50%. And I would say off the top of my head, three or four games that they won last year were solely on their defense, especially when they get the Bombers. Uh, to me, the Bombers, uh, what was it, Labor Day or Banjo Bowl were, Banjo Bowl where Willie Jefferson had the two pick sixes. Yeah, so the, yeah. the two the two pick sixes, right? I mean, those are long. See, that's a 14-point swing either way where the Bombers were on the field. I, w I will say this, you know, a little positivity here for Saskatchewan. We talk about the defense taking a step back. Mm -hmm. Go back two years ago, Bombers on defense, forced yep. a lot of turnovers. Coming into last year, what did we talk about? No way the defense is going to be able to keep that up, force many turnovers. Yeah. They still forced a lot of turnovers again last year. Here's the interesting thing. I think what Saskatchewan lost on defense, they made up on special teams in the form of bringing in John Ryan. Right, yes. I don't have him here on the list of additions. Uh, just because I believe in all accounts out of Saskatchewan, but I've seen it, but he is kicking the daylight out of the football, making returners have to back up. So if John Ryan can be the John Ryan that he was in the NFL and with the Blue Bombers in particular, absolutely he's going to help kind of neutralize that kind of field position game. 
Yeah, and you... that's going to be of help to an offense. But I think when Polaros is good, he's going to be good. But I just don't see them titting at that level that they were last year. You mentioned John Ryan kicking the daylights. Literally, like, first day of training camp, he was out there on the field, I heard, like, three hours before training camp started. Literally kicking the daylight out of the day, John Ryan. Yeah, Mike. This, this is the guy that wants to be in stretch when I'm full credit. He, he made it happen. Let's move on to our next team here. You get the honors picking the next one out of the magical hat. BC. All right, so we're sticking to the West Division. Um, yes, the BC Lions make the most notable offseason move by bringing in quarterback Mike Riley. Uh, huge move for the Lions, who did struggle a little at the quarterback position last year, the last couple of years, with the combination of Jonathan Jennings and Travis Luway. Um they bring in Mike Riley. Uh, they bring in a guy to protect him in Suk Chung on the offensive line. They bring in a couple of nice options at wide receiver. Josh Stanford, Lamar Durant. Deron Carter is an interesting one for me. Uh, you know, he did not do very much in his time in Toronto. Granted, nobody on the in the receiving game really did much in Toronto last year. I could see a big year coming from him this year. And I think, to be honest with you, and this is no slight against anywhere where Jerron Carter's played in the past, if Jerron Carter is in, engaged and you have a veteran football team and, you know, Jerron Carter's not necessarily leading, not to say that Jerron Carter can't be a leader, but if you have a stabilizing force to kind of keep him engaged and keep him active and keep him as part of the team, if anybody can do that, I think it's the veteran quarterback in Mike Riley. Uh, looking at the subtractions here, BC has more than anybody else in the league. But they also spent a lot of money. Right, yeah, they did. They spent a lot on day one. Um, but you notice a lot of guys out of the lineup, only like eight or nine additions here. So all of this money you know, from all of these guys you were paying before goes into these eight or nine players, but you still got to build the rest of the team around them. And my concern here a little bit, uh, you know, okay, Mike Riley surpasses any of these other three quarterbacks that they had last season that are no longer with the team. But their three top three quarterbacks from last year are gone. Their top three running backs from last year are gone. Um, some of their biggest wide receivers, they're missing five wide receivers that saw some decent time last what year. What do you make to the changes on the back end of the defense? On the back end of the defense, you see a lot of guys... Uh, really, I mean, you got three guys on the defensive line, four linebackers, four defensive backs gone. Like, BC has overhauled their roster entirely this year. I'm just a little surprised it didn't go to fit the characteristics of their head coach, who's a defensive head coach. And and spend more money on the defense? But, I mean, I understand Mike Riley is out there. And you, you go take this for you. Oh, he, absolutely. If you want to be there, you, you do that. <laughs> Heck, if he would have come to the Bombers, I would have said, absolutely sign him. Because I, I believe he's better than Matt, Matt Nichols. But that being said, you know, a quarterback light, Mike Riley being out there, you have no choice. You say, what do you want? You hand him the blind check and go from there. I'm just a little bit surprised that their defense didn't get a little bit more of a makeover. Not to mention on the special teams, you're losing a solid kicker in Ty Long, who is off to the NFL, I believe. Yep. Um, so I think it's Anthony Alix uh, yep. doing some kicking there right now. Uh, 2015, uh, he was the last time he had 
a, a game in the CFL. So they take a step back there in the kicking game a little bit. Um, I don't know, Mike. To me, like, you want to predict what you, you, you'd have to say, if we're going to say quarterback is most pos- important position on the football field, and so, and we're giving Knox against Saskatchewan for not improving that position, mm-hmm. you would have to say we're going to put BC higher up in our standings Correct. just based on the addition of Mike Riley. Correct. That being said, the entire team being overhauled scares me here a little bit. And maybe it doesn't scare me after Labor Day, but in the early weeks, I, I am a little concerned here about the BC well, Lions as they try to get things going. The one thing that jumps out to me is... What did you do? And I, I realize everybody can kind of fit in this boat, but what did you do if there's an injury? Like, I don't see depth. That's going to say, okay, if we're take Saskatchewan or take whoever, lost two and three receivers and four receivers. Granted, you don't want to go there, but it's how do you go two, three, four, five men deep like some teams have had to in the past? And I just worry if too much of the pie was deviated to one player. Yeah, and and I think that was it. And you know, uh, Mike Riley will boost this team both on and off the field, I should mention. Mike Riley is going to put people in the seats in BC. What, you, what you're hoping for, what this tells me, is that you're going to play a possession game, move the ball 10, 15 yards on every play, chunk up eight, six, seven minutes of play plot, keep your defense on the sideline, hope they force a couple three and outs, and really rely on your offense. Where do you have BC finishing? Well, it's oddly enough, BC struggled on the road last year with did at home. I expect a lot of that to be the same. Because I, I believe Mike Riley will be efficient at home in the Dome. I just don't know how far this team goes on the road. That's why I have them split. Finishing fourth place, but making the playoffs at nine and nine. Making the playoffs via the crossover. Yes. I should mention also, uh, I had Calgary finishing fourth earlier. I also have them making the crossover. Um, I have BC finishing third in the West. I think they will be improved over what they were last year. Um, again, just that what I mentioned there, though, I could see them losing a couple games early in the season, just as they try to fit all these new pieces together and gel together. Moving yeah, on. see that's that's why I had them in the nine and nine. Right. More of a second half ascent for them. Moving on to our next team here, Mike. We could finish off the West Division with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but no, we are going out to Toronto okay. to talk about the Toronto Argonauts, a team that uh struggled greatly last year. Not a good year for Toronto. Uh quarterback carousel last year between James Franklin. McLeod Bethel Thompson offense struggled offensively, struggled defensively. I believe they only won three games last year, was it, or did they win four? Gotcha. Something like that. How do you see? Is Toronto going to be better this year? It's going to be better, but I don't know by how much. I really don't know how much better they're going to be. Because to me, you're asking a lot of James Franklin, and you better hope that you see sixty percent improvement over James Franklin. And then I'm just wondering who's going to touch the ball. Oh, you bring in Darrell Walker. That is a huge addition right there, especially because he's a guy that James Franklin in his time in Edmonton had some experience with a little bit. 
to me, what this says here, based on their offensive, based on their, what they've done, is they really put their emphasis on their defense, hoping that their defense is going to stand out, win a few games. I, to me, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm not sold on James Fight when the number one. But I think we need to be. We need to be, but that doesn't mean I'm satisfied with that, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I think we need to be, and I think the team needs to be. I don't think you can do what you did last year. Two games with this quarterback, three with this quarterback. Look, if you're a team that's going through the growing pains, and I've long said this about the Montreal Alouettes who have had done quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, you find a quarterback with a little bit of potential, let him grow, right? And James Franklin, we know, has potential The here. interesting thing to me is... Who's going to be behind James Franklin? There's a lot of Canadians on the roster for Montreal, uh, for Toronto, so he's battling for a batter position, along with McLeod Bethel-Thompson. So, Not to me- mention Canadian quarterbacks now count towards the ratio. Right. So it, it's just a, it's a very interesting thing for me. I still think the, if the Ardos are going to have any success, this is an offense that needs to score 20-plus points. And it needs to hold defensively to about 25 to 27. And you're going to about win a 27, 23, 27, 19 kind of game. And with the defensive, uh, obviously, D. Lyman, Toby Antietre, Freddie Bishop, Shine Lemon, Croy Poop, Johnson. Just those additions tell me that they believe that they're going to imply some kind of steam. She neutralized the opposition's quarterback and rushed the quarterback. That's a scary defensive A line. little bit. So, to me, again, they're hoping that the defense kind of holds them above water. They get 40 to 50% more production than they got from James Franklin. They hope they don't have to go to a backup. Yeah, okay, I can accept a marginally 500 Ardo team. 7 and 11, 8 and 10, 9 and 9, somewhere in there. But I just don't know if this team... This team reminds me of a team that was at the bottom and has kind of just started their ascent up the stairs a little bit. I'll say this. You ask me back in February, uh, you know, shortly after free agency started, especially on day one, I really wasn't happy with what the Argos did. I didn't feel like they did much in free agency when they needed to. As I was putting together these charts this week, I'm actually out of all of these teams in the CFL. Toronto may be one of the teams I'm highest on based on what they've done here. Just based on the guys they've brought in on defense, they've really shored up that defense uh, a little bit there. I can't stress enough how much having Darrell Walker there is going to help that offense open things up. You got SJ Green, you got Darrell Walker, you got Armani Edwards, you've got Anthony Coombs if he's healthy, if he can stay healthy again all are, year. Are you year. banting on a ball control kind of offense if you're the Ardles? I think it's an offense that could break things wide open, though, with a guy like Darrell Walker. I still have flashbacks to Investors Group Field uh, June 14th or yeah. whatever it was last year yeah. when Darrell Walker goes 100 yards on the season opener against yeah. the Bombers. So... I, I think that will open things up a little. Here's my only question quickly before we move on from the Argos. Did you really need to improve the running back position? You know, you had James Wilder Jr. Had a bit of a down year, but is still one of the top running backs in the league. You have a young up-and-coming guy in Brandon Burks. 
But then you need to go in and bring Chris Rainey, Terrell Sutton, and Mercer Timmis in yet, too. Like, why do you need five running backs on New management. I guess. Internal competition wanted to push James Wilder. Because remember, he had a good rookie year. Didn't do much last year after that whole, I want more money or I'm not going to show. Burt's, okay, he's showing a little bit. But again, they want to avoid that James Wilder kind of pushback. So... To me, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic. Uh, where do you have them finishing in the East Division? Last in the East, uh, 7 and 11. I have them finishing third uh, in the East Division. I think the Argos are going to be a bit improved this year. Moving on, we got three teams left here, Mike. We got about 15 minutes, three teams, and we got to do some wrap-ups. So we're going to have to make these sure. last three a little quicker. Uh, again, all of these teams, you know, as we go into talking about the different things throughout the regular, like as we talk about games during the regular season, we'll go in a little more in depth on some of these teams and what they've done. So just a quick forward here. Let's go local. Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Correct. All right. So the Winnipeg Blue Bombers do have the least subtractions, I believe, out of everybody in the league. They also have close to the least number of additions not much has really changed that's the status quo here in winnipeg and that frankly might just be the best thing for this team pardon me sorry that it's staying the status quo here this season that might just be the best thing for this team you know you see all the movement uh around the lead i wonder if the bombers took the calculated rest and said we like what we have in house we didn't have a couple things go our way especially early in the year last year I think the Bombers would have been right up there for hosting that West Division. Maybe the West Division final. Maybe this game against Saskatchewan of Matt Nichols would have played. However, the Nichols injury may have been a blessing in disguise, as was the Durian Durant retirement, because I think it also unearthed a star in uh, Chris Traveler, which to me, he might be the best backup in the Canadian Football League, not yeah. number one. Yeah. And that excites me very, very much uh, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, the other thing is they get a little better on the corner with Winston Rose. Uh, here, Here's the thing, though, to me. Okay, they bring in Winston Rose. That's a decent addition here. If you want to talk my two major concerns for Winnipeg this year, because I do think this is a team that can compete really well, mm -hmm. uh, the first major one is the back seven on defense. You lose Javon Santos-Knox, which is a huge loss there. Ian Wilde had a down season. But Taylor Loeffler, Chris Randall, Kevin Fogg, these have been three mainstays in that defensive backfield. I, I know. I, I have a hard time. I see what you're saying. But those guys were often victimized for big plays. That's true. And that is fair. That is a fair assessment. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like the defense maybe took a step back here a little. But I also feel like with the addition of Willie Jefferson, like you, you had said to me last week or the week before when we were chatting, a little more pressure on the quarterback from that defensive line could make some big things happen for the Bombers' defense. One thing, one guy you don't have here uh, as a defensive, uh, as an addition, is Jay Thomas. I was looking up today. I, I believe he did also help and create some interior uh, pressure for the Blue Bombers. For uh, sure. Sorry. For sure. Yeah. And, and so, I think the Bombers had to make some changes. Let's let's look at it this way. Is there a perfect roster constructed in the CFL? No. Every team has some loopholes. So yeah, yeah. you kind of pick your poison where those weak elements are. Yeah. 
and who's to say it can't get better as the season rolls on? I will say I love the addition of Chris Matthews at wide receiver. Yeah, helps Another Darvin big name Adams. Another go to with Darvin Adams this year, which is going to be Game Breaker, my early candidate for rookie of the year. Are you ready for it? Sure. Lucky Whitehead. Lucky Whitehead, kick returner for uh, the Winnipeg. The guy's going to return three or four punts and kickoffs this year. Uh, he is just that fast. And I know he's got some baggage, but Bombers are banking on one thing. The flip of field position to help their offense. Matt Nichols healthy. Chris Traveler continues to improve. And I think it's going to put a real seed of doubt in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as to what they're going to do with their number one quarterback going into uh, 2020. All right. If you've done your math, we've gone through the whole West Division. So there's only one placement left for both of us. We both have the Bombers finishing first in the West yes. Division, which I think it's just based on the lack of turnover for the team that had a very good season last year. And, and I will come out and say this. I think 13 and 5 first place in the West. This is the Bombers' real last legit chance at that great cup with the core of their team getting older. Moving on, we got about 10 minutes left here, Mike, uh, and we got to do some wrap-up. So about two to three minutes per team here. Uh, next team, second last one here, the Ottawa Red Blacks. What do you have to say about the Ottawa Red Blacks? Well, I mean, the the only thing you say is no Trevor Harris, no William Powell, no Red Ellington, no Devontae Spencer, no Sir Vincent Rogers. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. I mean, that's basically... Your five most crucial players on the team, not named Brad Sinopoli and Lewis Ward, gone. Correct. Right? So here's the thing. You know, Ottawa might be one of the most intriguing teams to watch this year for me. I am excited to watch Ottawa Red Blacks games solely for the reason I'm interested to see what happens here. They bring in Jonathan Jennings at quarterback, who I still love Jonathan Jennings. I still think I he, think he had a fire lit into him. I, I still think he can ha have potential to turn back to a starting quarterback. Um, I, I do like that for Jonathan Jennings. They've got a couple uh, good young receivers here. You know, Brad Sinopoli is going to get a heavy workload. A lot of passes are going to go to Brad Sinopoli. Yeah. And that may open things up for Ryan Lankford, Caleb Hawley, Nate Bahar. You got R.J. Harris, who had a solid year last year. Dominique Rimes. Like, Ottawa's still got some guys here on I just questioned defense a little bit in Ottawa. Why? It seemed like they had to outscore a lot of their problems last year. And I Let's let's be frank. Jonathan Jennings is not Trevor Harris. I think there's going to be some growing pains there at the quarterback position. I hope Jennings has success. He should be set up to have success. But I don't think we should suspect, suspect sorry, expect Ottawa to have success coming out of the gate, especially with the loss of Jamie Alzondo. Yeah, I, I could see it be a bit of a tough slogging early on for the uh, Ottawa I put Red them kind of in the same boat as BC, a second half surge, but it's not just, not enough to get into the playoffs based on the way we have the CFL constructed. So not enough to get into the playoffs, so you have the BC line, or sorry, the Ottawa Red Blacks then. You've already used your fourth place on the Alouette, yeah. or on the Argos, sorry. So you have Ottawa finishing third, correct? I'll finish in third. Outside chant, and I'm going to come out and say this right now. The winner of the head-to-head -head between the Montreal Alouettes and the Ottawa Red Blast will get second in the West. Fair enough. And, and I just think for whatever reason that's going to be uh, Montreal. And then I have Ottawa finishing fourth in the East, but I would not be surprised to see this team get things together a little bit after a little bit. I think I put this team, 
and I'm sorry, Ottawa fans, if you don't want to hear this comparison, but I've put this team in the same mold I put last season's Montreal Alouettes in. And I'm not saying that in the sense of all the bad that was there, right. but just the intriguing, a young, I love watching young teams in the CFL and see the potential players, how they grow as a team. And I think this Ottawa team, it's a new year for them, a new direction. I'm interested to see how it goes. That being I, I, said, think we're, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw in the first year of the franchise in Ottawa before they went out, got all those free agents to begin, all the run, all those runs to the Grey Cup. So, and then just a step back here for Ottawa in my mind. And, Mike, uh, well, I'd let you take the last name out of the hat, but we know what it is already. It's the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, if you do your math again, we both have them finishing first in the East Division. Are you hyped up on the Hamilton Tiger Cats, or is it a best-of-the-least situation for you? Well, it's a best-of-the-least situation. Uh, I believe we're going to see some even more progression from Jeremiah Mazzoli. I also believe that uh, Brian Jones and Cameron Marshall will help things out. Also, can't underestimate the Christmas present, but they were dropped <laughs> early on in training camp. Chris Van Zyl, like, come on, this is an offensive line. And... To me, that just slams like we're and we're gonna run the football down your throat, and you're gonna stop us. If not, we're gonna have a quarterback that's gonna expose you to the weaknesses. Not to mention one of their top offensive linemen, Riker Matthews, who went to the NFL for a tryout. Right. He's now back with the team. So Matthews, Chris Van Zyl, that is some solid offensive linemen right there for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And then you can't underestimate the Rico Murray on the corner, and just in general, I put. Hamilton in the same a lot of the same boat with the Bombers you know minimal changes status quo and I think to be blunt they just had a really bad Sunday afternoon in that East final last year where they got blown out I think they're a lot better than they played in that game and I think that's why and I'm going to say it right here right now the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to the great cup this year all right I have Hamilton finishing first as well in the East. I will say this, though. I was preparing my list of additions and subtractions here. I'm, I'm a little discouraged by what I saw from the Ticats, it, it, just in the sense that there is a lot of turnover here. Like, there are six wide receivers, and I'm not talking just, like, B-list wide receivers. I'm talking Jalen Saunders, Terrell Sinkfield, Terrence Tolliver, Chris Williams, Markway McDaniel, Felix Faubert, Louisier. Those are some solid wide receivers. Although... To kind of just bat the apple a little bit. Jalen Saunders is hurt at the beginning of camp. Wouldn't be surprised to see him come back. Yeah, that is a possibility. It was just well a cap move, right. cap related move, injury related move. But I expect Jalen Saunders to be back in Hamilton. But then also at the running back position, like Alex Green has been one of the most exciting running backs in the CFL the last couple of years. They decide to release him this offseason. I don't know if that was an injury thing as well. It's a cross cutting move. Uh, John White, Mercer, Timmis. I, I think they took a step back at running back. Um, Any accident but Green was cutting and Benzal came in the next day? Maybe. I, I, I can see the correlation you make there. But I will say this. You know, I, I'm disappointed to see all these wide receivers gone in Hamilton. But that still leaves Brandon Banks, Luke Tasker, Mike Jones, and a guy who stepped up big time in the playoffs last year, Braylon Addison. Yep. That's still four solid wide receivers yep. for Hamilton. Yeah, so that's so why, you know, I don't like the guys they lost. But they still have guys there. That's why I still have them at number to, one. In to, the East. to be honest, if you don't have Andrew Harris as your running back, you don't need a hundred thousand dollar, a hundred and fifty thousand dollar running back 
Running backs are a dime a dozen. I, t- I keep saying it. And the Bombers are in the un- in the fortunate position where they have one of the better ones in the CFL. So they pay him that money, and he's a Canadian. The, the tight that they're banking on, running backs are a dime a dozen. We can go a little bit cheaper to kind of improve in another area, and I think that's where the money for Chris Van Dyle is going to come in very, very handy. And the Van Dyle signing as a whole to help create some holes on that offensive line for the running backs. So just to quickly recap our standings predictions here, out west, Mike has Winnipeg first, uh, Calgary second, Edmonton third, BC fourth with the crossover, Saskatchewan fifth. Uh, Mike, who do you have going to the Grey Cup in that west division? Winnipeg. You have Winnipeg going to the Grey Cup out west. I have Winnipeg first, Edmonton second, uh, BC third, Calgary fourth, making the crossover in Saskatchewan fifth. Uh, I have the uh, I have the Edmonton Eskimos going to the Grey Cup. I'll take it right now. I, I I don't know. I get that feeling this year. Edmonton going to the Grey Cup in Calgary, and then Mike, we go out to the East Division where uh, we have uh, we both have Hamilton in first, Montreal in second, hosting a playoff game. Who would have seen that coming? Uh, you have Ottawa third. I have Toronto third. You have Toronto. F- fourth Basically I have Ottawa fourth. yeah flip flop neither team making the playoffs you already said you have Hamilton making the Grey yeah. Cup out east uh, and it's just who's the better of the four you know in a one game situation I will also take Hamilton and Mike I've left it till now my prediction that was going to blow you out of the water I have Calgary crossing over I have Montreal finishing second put second in the east the team that knocks Cal- prevents Calgary from making the finals for the first time in four years, the Montreal Alouettes, will take down the Calgary Stampeders in the playoffs. Wow. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Because in my situation, I have BC at the crossover, so, you know, Gillette Riley in a, in a crossover scenario. Right. Uh, that does it. We are wrapping up time here. Uh, next, and a half. Yeah, next week we will be breaking down everything to do with the CFL schedule. So looking forward to that one as well. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM. Uh, you can like, subscribe to the podcast on basically any podcast platform out there. Um, like us on Facebook as well. And make sure to follow CF podnetwork.ca and at CF Pod Network on Twitter for all the other great Canadian football podcast network shows. It's great to be back, Mike. Stay tuned for more to come this season. We've got a lot of exciting stuff on the way, and it should be a fun year. Back again podcasting on the Canadian Football Countdown. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye.